Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Um, Stu, how did you go with reading through uh, Kings and Chronicles? It's pretty, it's pretty confusing. Isn't it? Oh man, I had to keep going back, going, who, who, who's king now? Which king is yeah, this? Yeah, that's right. You know, and and then yep. it gets even more confusing because at one point, and we'll we'll cover this a little later. There's the king of the northern territory is Israel is yeah. the same has the same name as the king of the southern. Oh, that happens. That actually happens uh, a couple of times at least. Yeah. So it is. It's a bit confusing, and then and then uh, you're sort of skipping between Kings and Chronicles. Yes, you know, recognizing that there are expanded accounts mm. of the kings in in Chronicles. Uh, of course, in Kings, you've got all of the stuff about Elijah and Elisha that you yes, don't have in, in Chronicles. Chronicles. So that's what's great about Book of Kings. I think gives you that sort of extra value for your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then in um, in Chronicles, though, you get some really great expanded accounts. Uh, of the kings, which yeah. is which is great. So they both have their benefits. It's interesting, actually, when I I opted with the Thrive to to read the books in parallel. I thought oh, that m- might be a good way of doing. It. I think <laughs> I don't know whether that was a good idea or not. Yeah, well, uh, we've certainly had. A, I've had a little bit of feedback from a couple of people going. I'm finding this really confusing. You know, yeah. where, where are yeah. we now, and who is this person? But anyway, before we kick in, Matt, let's just uh, recap mm. a little. We're, we're kicking into uh, Thrive Deeper episode 147. We're really going to be covering the area. You know, starting in Two Kings through to probably Two Kings chapter eight. We'll get to today. I'm picking. Yeah. Before we move out of one. Kings, at the very end of, uh, of 1 Kings, um, we see that Jehoshaphat becomes the king of Judah, yeah. uh, the southern kingdom. And the writer states that that you know uh, that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And again, like you said before, there's yeah. a whole lot more about Jehoshaphat yeah. that we can find in the book of yeah, Chronicles, is, yeah. 2 Chronicles, yeah. 17 to 20 kind of gives yeah. you uh, a bit of an insight into Jehoshaphat there. But if we're to kind of identify three things, uh, he was the king with a passionate personal commitment to God. Um, yeah. He was committed to the centrality of the word of God in such a way that he actually ordered his whole reign uh, as king around God's word, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah, it's one of the good ones. And he was determined to trust the Lord, not man. So, you know, he mm. was he was regularly inquiring of the Lord. But we'll hear more about him as we move forward. Um, yeah. As we move into two kings now, we see that it's time within God's sovereign purposes for Elisha to succeed Elijah. And, uh, and Matt, this transition takes place in a pretty supernatural way. Yeah, it does. Um, the interesting thing uh, here is uh, just a, a yeah. general comment, actually, about Elijah and Elisha, uh, these prophets and their role in the story. Mm. So, um, and, and I think this is big picture stuff. I, I'm just going to try and say a couple of things to help perhaps answer the question, why should I even bother reading this? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. well, uh, you know, I, I know it's a little confusing w- with the kings, and it, and it's possible that the writers may have found ways to make it easy if they were just telling history. But they're not just telling history. Yeah, this is actually a a, a prophetic narrative, and there's the the what they are wanting you to see is a comparison between the north and the south. Mm. So that's why they keep flitting between the two. I mean, it'd be in some ways, you know, here's an account of the north, here's an account of the south, or, or even some way of doing it that, that perhaps is historically simpler. What the writers actually want to do instead is, is enact this comparison. Uh, and you've got, uh, because in, in the north, you've got this trajectory of idolatry. Yeah. But 
you've got these amazing prophets that are operational actually in the north yes. you know uh, mm. which is you know which is amazing this is where all the miracles and everything are happening in, in the, the north. north and you think wow that must be you know if there were churches be like hey i'm going to go to that church yeah, that's uh, right. because that's the uh, you know that's the place Happening where place. you know the spirits really moving up in that church up in the north uh, no, that's actually the point. Is is that you know these these miracles are, are these signs of you know where, where God is really speaking to essentially rebellious people mm. um, to get to trying to get their get attention, attention essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And the more that happens in their midst, the more accountable they are. Actually, um, it's interesting that it's right in the midst of um, the reign of Ahab that you get. Elijah and then from Ahab's time where things really go downhill from that's there. Right, yeah. You know, that's where you get Elijah and, and then uh, following Elijah, Elisha. So you get this very dark period, uh, but the light of, of these that's shone by these prophets comes very, very much in this period. Mm. So um, so just before you move on, yeah. Ahab, just a reminder for our listeners, Ahab was really the king who instituted Baal as the official religion of yeah. Israel, of the northern yeah. kingdom, Jezebel's uh, husband, or yeah, Jezebel that's was right. his wife. So, And we've heard a lot about what they did to the prophets of the Lord, obviously. Yeah, yeah that's right. Lots of prophets were killed uh, th- through this time. Yeah. So it's interesting that um, the, God keeps sending in the prophets. Yeah. Uh, you know, including and in, in one place we read about this prophet Micaiah, we don't really hear anything, but he just comes into the scene, you know, brings this amazing prophecy, and then probably ends up in jail for the rest of his life. Mm, mm. So there's an enormous cost being paid uh, by these by these prophets, hundreds of whom are actually killed. Prophets of the Lord, you know. Yeah, so this is, yeah. it's really important, I think, to recognise this. And then uh, my the point I want to make about the prophets is that. They, in the same way as the um, as the priests embodied something that they actually, you know, the priesthood, the priests and the Levites were they they enacted certain symbols. So they they worked in the temple, and and, and so they worked with symbols that pointed forward to Christ. Their role actually itself was quite symbolic. Their their very existence, yeah, the right. existence of priests, they symbolized. The embodiment of of a ministry that uh, ultimately is embodied in Christ, mm. and then f- through Christ uh, to Christians yeah. who have a kind of Levite priestly ministry. In the, you know, we're a kingdom of priests. Peter says. Yes. Now, in some ways, it's very much the same with the prophets, and, and I think this is going to help us understand uh, the role of the prophets in these stories. They, in a sense. They they not only bring God's word, but in some sense they embody they embody God's word mm. in in many ways, um, and so there are things that happen to the prophets. It's not just what they say, but even things that happen to them and things that they do that are actually kind of embodiment of the word. I mean, it's interesting because it often says uh, you have this phrase: "The word of the Lord came to." Yeah, right. Such and such a prophet. Okay. Uh, now, it's interesting to think about that in the light of Christ being the word. You know, the word came to them and and then they delivered this word. And in some sense, um, uh, they were the word coming to the people of Israel. They embodied that word coming to uh, to Israel. And of course, in, a, in this sense, they symbolized the word who is Jesus. In that yes. sense, they symbolized mm-hmm. because... Um, of course, ultimately, God would embody His Word in the ultimate and very literal sense 
in Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah. So in a sense, the prophets are sort of forerunners of Christ, Christ. Yep. in this sense. They, yep. they are symbolic embodiments of the word of God. This is the difference between the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament gift of prophecy. Uh, because okay. the, the New Testament uh, gift of prophecy, in the same way as we don't have you know, the same kind of priestly ministry, you know, so I, I as a pastor don't, you know, it, I have a kind of priestly ministry, but it's not like the priests of oh, old, you know. Yeah. Um, and in the same way that the New Testament gift of prophecy is, um, is not quite the, the, it's not the embodiment, embodiment, kind of you know, of this word. I mean, in some sense it is. In some sense, we are all to embody the word mm. and be the aroma of Christ in the world. So there really mm. are very important lines of continuity between the Old Testament prophets and mm. uh, and, and everyday Christians. I'm, I'm, I'm more making the difference between the New Testament gift of prophecy and, and, the, prophets uh, yeah, and the prophets themselves. Because you just, you know, when the prophets came, you just had to do what they said. I mean, there, there was no questioning the prophets. Yeah. They, I mean, it, well, you, um, if they predicted something and didn't come about, they would be executed. Yes. And and we can see here that man, this is not a, this is not a, a a role that you would want to step into. Like, oh yeah, I really, it's my ambition to be a prophet. Yeah, yeah. Man, these guys were killed left, right, and center. They were imprisoned. They were mistreated. They lived out in the desert. They lived in caves. Yeah. You know, it was a hard, hard life. And if they got it wrong, and we yeah. see this in the story, yeah. if they slipped up or got it wrong, mm. man, they really, really paid for that mm. uh, big time. They were incredibly, they were held incredibly accountable. So you'd really want to know you were hearing from God. Oh, you really would, yeah. Because um, it's going to cost you your life if you, if yeah. you get it wrong. Uh, so that's the thing about a lot, and and I think you know we want to we want to function fairly big picture uh, here, yep, you know, yep. as we as we overview this, you know, Elijah and Elisha. I mean, they, they they it's not only what they say because these aren't writing prophets. We have you know Isaiah and Jeremiah and and these other prophets who wrote down their oracles. You don't get that with Elijah and Elisha. Yes, what what you get is the establish very much the establishment. I mean, prophets that have existed before this. But this really sets up this role, and these guys, uh, it's more what they do, actually. Um, uh, you know, they bring this, uh, it, it's, it's the relationship they embody between God and his people, mm. and then it's what they do. Now, it's interesting that you have uh, seven great miracles by Elijah. Elisha. Um, Elisha, who follows Elijah, asks to inherit a double portion of his spirit. Mm. Elijah says, well, if you see me taken... Uh, taken up. That's right. Uh, then okay, and and the point of that is that, well, do you have the prophetic gift? Mm. Do you do? Mm. Can you see into the spiritual realm? If you can see me being taken up, you know, the chariot of fire and so forth being taken up into heaven, um, well, then that indicates that yes, you do have this prophetic gift mm. because you you can see that, uh, and and you will receive uh, what you ask for. So it's interesting then that that. Uh, Elisha performs fourteen. Yeah. Uh, so the you know the numerics are, are important, but uh, also but also I read somewhere that the double portion kind of also spoke to the inheritance as the firstborn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the sense of inheritance, you're going to be my heir in a sense. Yeah. Was that sort of language yeah. used? The double portion thing was. That's used. right. So yeah. that's most probably what Elisha has got in mind. Yes. Because uh, the um, it, sometimes you often get this term, the sons of the prophets. 
So, so they that not necessarily literal sons, but they treated. So Elijah would have treated Elisha, Elisha as a son, son. but yeah. often you know refers to him as as, as my son. Mm. So, um, so that's probably what Elisha has in mind. You know, can I inherit a double portion? In fact, you know, it's really he, he wants to be the heir of Elijah's ministry. Yes, uh, you know, and um, and Elijah's well. That's you know Elijah's reply is important because mm. basically he's saying, well, that's not mine to. To give you, to give you. Mm. Um, but if you see me being taken up from heaven, it's a sign that well, actually, you do have this mm. sight into the spiritual world that um, yeah. means that you you do get to inherit uh, my role, mm. and that's uh, seen in the double and, portion. And prior to that, Elijah has kind of tried to give Elisha the opportunity to opt out. You know, like you stay here, I'm going. Yeah, on. yeah. And Elisha's going, no, 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 no. Wherever you are, I am too. Kind of thing. So yeah. There's a bit of a sense of Elijah kind of testing yeah. his. He is. His, yeah. You know, resolving this. You know, his yeah. sense of call for one of the words. And that's often you know. a question that's raised: Why does Elijah seem to want to be getting rid of this guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is is it? You know, I mean, some people say, oh, is it his sort of reluctance to? You know, because he's been told to anoint his yeah. uh, his successor. successor. Is he a bit reluctant about that? Um, you know, I mean, we do see we do see the hum- humanness mm. uh, of of Elijah. These guys weren't mm. perfect. No, no, I think no. that's important. Um, they were very much accountable to God, uh, but you know, they're not perfect. And so, well, look, it could be, but uh, I think. But Elisha would have grown to lo- Elijah. Sorry, would have grown to love Elisha, and he yeah. knew the risk in this. Yeah, and so he's probably kind of, in a sense, trying to make sure. Yeah, you know, maybe in some ways, from a human perspective, kind of going, no, no, I, I you know, I love you too much to let you end up possibly. Yeah. what could happen to a yeah, prophet? Yeah, that's right. But at the same time, also probably testing to see, are you really sure? You know, that's right. And yeah. let's remember too. I mean, when Elijah goes to Elisha, I mean, he he. Uh, breaks up the cart, makes of slaughters the ox. I mean, he's. This is a statement of, I'm basically walking away from my inheritance, from yes. my earthly inheritance. That's right. This man is giving up everything that he owns, pretty mm. much, mm. to follow Elijah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting, you know. It's 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 just that 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 um, from a New Testament perspective, it's a really interesting kind of segue from the one to the other and inheriting the spirit and you know in so laying down our lives and and laying down our lives yeah you you know know, to walk in this calling is yours yep so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of symbolism in this story Mm. about you know ministry i mean jesus said of his disciples you're going to do greater things than i like collectively you know you are going to do greater things than i am and i think there's this sense of of you know the the double portion uh that 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 there you know um, yeah, right. That I'm I'm bequeathing something to you mm. here, mm. Um, and I'm you know I'm anointing you so that you will continue my ministry. It has that Elijah Elisha sort of feel. Yeah. So this this story actually is really central in the whole Old Testament narrative. I mean, Elijah and Elisha are remembered. They are um, really crucial pillars of this story, mm. and uh, and so I think it's it's important to really get to know you know these. Uh, these stories and get to know them well because they they, they form a, a, a sort of a you know um, a kind of expectation or, or a um, what, what's the best way to say it like uh, they really set up the theology and the and the the values and they just set up a lot I think yes. for what yeah. happens from yep. here. Yep. 
Um, good. Well, uh, let's let's see if we can navigate uh, people a little bit uh, through this. So, broad broadly speaking, you've got uh, Elijah and Elisha. Uh, Elijah comes to prominence, of course, during Ahab's um, right. uh, ministry. Um, Ahab is ruling at the same time as Jehoshaphat. Uh, in in the south, so yes. this is one of these comparison moments. Mm. Ahab is this really bad guy. Jehoshaphat uh, is is a is a good king, mm. and you do get this. Jehoshaphat, by the way, I don't know how much we want to talk about Jehoshaphat. Yeah, go. Uh, but um, it, it actually it might be good to to say a few things about Jehoshaphat uh, through this because um, well, we'll pick him up in the in the Moabite rebellion anyway. There's a there's a fair yeah. bit around Jehoshaphat there. But yeah, go, go yeah. let's talk about him now. He's um, one of my favourite kings. Yeah. You know, and I mean the interesting thing here is he's he's not again, he's he's not perfect. No, that's right. Um and he uh you know he institutes these all of this teaching and, and but one of the you know we we see him coming up in this story with Ahab when Micaiah the prophets and do we, we I don't know if we yes, talked about this. Yeah, yeah. We have, yep. Um and and we see that you know he shouldn't have been making that alliance with with Ahab. That's right. Um, and uh, and he gets re- and you know because it's interesting because Micaiah prophesies that, that the battle's a lost cause. Mm. He tells them to go home, mm. but they both still go into the battle. Yeah. So so Jehoshaphat, um, this is a real lapse for, Je- for Jehoshaphat, and he gets re- and look, he's probably feeling a, a little. I mean, Ahab was quite a powerful king. Right. Uh, and he probably feels that he needs this guy's support. You know, you're alone in a dog eat dog world as a mm. as a sort of relatively small kingdom. Yeah. Not not helping is not neutral. Not oh yeah, is. you you want your alliances, yeah. really, man. Sure. That's you know. So so you know, for God to say no, don't enter into alliance with this. Oh, wow, you know, uh, you mean I'm all on my own here in the world? This is well, no, you're with God. And moreover, that guy's now probably my enemy. Yeah. That's right. So, mm. so he he doesn't want to make enemies of Ahab. That's mm. just another enemy, mm. he, you know. So he he actually lapses and he yep. goes into this battle and he gets yep. rebuked. Now, um, it seems that he you know he takes this on board because um, uh, because afterwards when uh, Moab and Ammon mm. come uh, come against him, mm. he uh, it says in twenty verse three, alarmed as he's faced by this uh, by this large army. Mm. Um, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah, people of Judah. So, so rather than run off to, uh, you know, to Ahab, uh, well, it's uh, Ahab's successor, um, Jerome. Uh, yep, in the north, mm. he, you know, he, we get this amazing prayer, yeah. and although it's interesting, man, if I can just make a yeah. comment, um, up until that point, there's no record that Jehoshaphat did inquire of the Lord that he even should have been there. At that point in time, mm. there doesn't seem to be any record of that. And, of course, we've got... What, you know, what do you mean by that being where? Uh, that Jehoshaphat and Jerome were, were going to... Jehoshaphat was going to help Jerome in terms yep. of the Moabite rebellion. Um, mm. And, you know, Jerome's got a, a plan pulled together, I'm guessing, and it's not going well. And, and yep. he's blaming God, uh, yeah. in a sense. But yeah. at, up until that point, there's no real indication that I could find in the in, in Scripture that Jehoshaphat had previously inquired whether they should actually try to yeah. crush this rebellion. Yeah. Um, it's not until they're at that place where, oh, gee, yeah. uh, we're completely outnumbered here that, again, uh, he does... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So you're in uh, you're in Second Kings yes. three here. Sorry, I'm over in Chronicles. Oh, sorry. I okay. Apologize. We're going to not try to uh, yeah, yeah, confuse yeah. Uh, confuse people. But yes, you're you're exactly right. And this is the interesting thing about it. it you know, 
Jehoshaphat finds him in situ- finds himself in situations that he should not have been in. Yes, this happens happens here. Yeah. It happened before. Yeah. Now the first time with the Micaiah thing when he went to war anyway, despite Micaiah's warnings with Ahab, went mm. goes into the war anyway. Mm. You know, we get that situation where I mean, Ahab's a classic. Hey, you dress up like a king. I'll go in disguise. Ahab says because he doesn't want to be, um, you know, he, so, Obviously, they're going to target a king, aren't they? Yeah, now, the exactly. interesting thing is Ahab gets killed, uh, even though- uh, He was in disguise. In yeah, even though Jehoshaphat, dressed as a king, finds himself in the thick of the battle yeah. and facing certain death, he cries out to the Lord and he's delivered. So so God is saving him, even though he's, he's doing things and in, in situations that he shouldn't even be in, because I think that's important because our- I mean, this is why these stories are important, mm. because the writer is deliberately showing- Look, okay, you're in a situation you should never have got there. Yes. But don't therefore think that you cannot cry out to God. God. Now, this is important in in Kings for the exiles Mm, mm. because, okay, yep, you're in exile. uh, You've, you know, you've turned away from God. But don't think just because you're in a situation, you know, you ended up in a situation you should never have been in. Don't Mm. think that you can't now cry out to God. Yeah. Because no matter how bad the situation you get into, even if it's your fault, even if you're miles away, even if you're in the pig pen, so to speak, uh, uh, referring to the parable of the prodigal son, son, Mm. cry out to God. Yeah. uh, Because God will hear. That's God. What This is what God wants the most. And so you see this actually repeatedly throughout the story. I mean, you see it famously in Manasseh, you know, who's the most evil of all the kings, cries out to God and, and... and That's right. You know, God hears him. An amazing story. And I think before you move on, the, the, the temptation for us here is to read and go, oh, Jehoshaphat, he should have known better kind of thing. But, you know, how many times do we go ahead in our own strength thinking something's a good idea, find it coming adrift, and then we're yeah. sort of crying out to God to help us, you know, God, can you join me in my idea or my plan and make this yeah. work in yeah. a sense? And as you say, you know, God wants us to do that absolutely. Yeah, that's you know? right. So with this, the when the rebellion, the Moabites mm. have been under yep. uh, Annex by um, Israel before mm. they rebel and um, uh, and the king uh, uh, king of Israel asked Jehoshaphat uh, Joram king yep. of Israel asked Jehoshaphat you know will you go with me yep. uh, he says yeah sure I mean he wants to ki- I mean again yeah, again probably yep. shouldn't have um, but uh, um, but then they end up you know where they that you know they go into this situation and they end up in a sticky situation because. There's, you know, the army, there's no water and, and yeah. you know, and then the king of Israel, it's like, what, you know, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver, you know, to hand us over? And so blaming God for something God didn't even yeah, call them that's right. to do. That's it's right. Like, so I'm going to blame God. That's now. right. So the king of Israel is blaming God. Mm. Jehoshaphat, and this is where the contrast comes. Jehoshaphat says, you know, let's inquire of a prophet. Elisha comes. Yeah. Basically, Elisha says, um, look, uh, I I would I wouldn't have, you know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Josh. Jehoshaphat. You know what I mean? I, right. I just hand you over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but with because of my respect for Jehoshaphat. Now again, it's interesting. Jehoshaphat shouldn't have even been there, but Elisha comes in, mm. says, "Okay, for uh, for Jehoshaphat's sake, mm. I'm gonna." You know, I'm going to inquire of the Lord. We're going to inquire yeah. of the Lord, and yeah. we're going to find a solution yeah. to this situation. One interesting thing here too, Matt, and it may not be materially important, but I, I noticed it. This was one of the first times where instead of the prophets being called to the king, yeah. the kings went to the prophet. Yeah, that's right. Know, which yeah. I don't know whether that's – but it's like, oh, hang on. This guy obviously has enough of 
a reputation for want of a better word that these three kings are going to go and see yeah. him rather than just simply summoning yeah that's come right to them yeah so, well kings know. of israel wouldn't have wanted to no yeah right. i mean that, the last thing they wanted i mean these guys were their arch, arch enemies, enemies yeah, right. you know yeah. so but but jehoshaphat he's a godly king he's yeah. a, you know so he's so he has this relationship a good relationship with the prophets because mm. um because he has a good relationship with god so and, and this is where I think, Stu, you know, in these stories, like, okay, you may not be sure where you are, but try to try to piece together the key details here. So try to get the the main. I don't get too lost yep. in the history and yep. what's happening. Okay, it's it's these broad, it's these ideas that are coming through that are the important thing. Here is this God. Here is this King. Okay, he set his heart on seeking God. Mm. He's constantly making mistakes and doing things that he shouldn't do, yeah. but he's got a heart for God, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think you know, I think that will be true of of people listening to this. Correct. You know, it's like you've got a heart, and and you can be all too conscious. Ah, oh, but I keep getting it wrong, and I end up in situations that I shouldn't be in. And yeah, but you know what? God still wants to. Yes. He still wants to bless you yeah. uh, from where you are. You just cry out to God, and and that's what you see in these stories again yeah. and again. This is why. For me, these I, I remember back to these stories, and I think, oh man, I you know, right when I would think, oh, well, I can't turn to God now. I mean, mm. I you know, I've just met this, I've messed this situation up too much. You know, um, you know, classic example, it, it, and and again, I'm just going to be practical here. Yeah. Do a lot of oh, it's it's interesting as as a past a lot of parents, you know, I've said, oh, I feel like I didn't do as much, and I can't, you know, will God listen to my prayers because I feel like I haven't been as a, a good a parent as I should have, and I didn't, you know, and, almost like, well, now yep. God won't answer my prayers for my kids. You know, yeah. they're no, no, no. That's not the way that it works, right? Yeah. And when when those things sort of things enter my head, mm. um, you know, and I'm just thinking of that because I've had conversations like that recently. Yeah. And the first thing that pops into my head are these stories, right? Yeah, yeah right. Because because these are the biblical precedents mm. where it's like, okay, let's assume that you have failed, you know, and 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 I, you know, and we've all fallen we all short. Yeah, that's right. We we're, we're all fall Constantly short, right? We all fail. So let's just assume that you have, but that doesn't mean you're that you're disqualified yeah. from from God intervening amazingly in that situation mm. and still doing things to deliver you and your family. Yeah. You know, so that's exactly the sort of thing that we get um that yeah. we get here. Yeah. Um Interesting, so, Elisha's pretty cutting. When they go to inquire, he's pretty cutting back to Jerome in terms of, hey, why don't you go talk to your own gods? You know, you, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. The, the gods of your mum and dad, which of course were Ahab and Jezebel. So, yeah. you know. Um, now, it's interesting when, uh, when Jehosh- turning over the book of Chronicles, yeah. uh, when Jehoshaphat goes into uh, this. Uh, this battle where he's threatened, and I'm not sure if it's this. Um, this is a, uh, this is a different uh, battle that I've um, okay. started talking about, but um, where he resolved to inquire of the Lord. Um, yep. uh, you know, this that famously he sends the musicians out. Yeah, because God says, "Look, you, you're not even going to have to fight. The Lord's going to fight for you." Yeah, I think right? that's you, the Arameans, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. The Lord's going to fight for you. It's a, it's an alliance of kings. I mean, it's mm. a scary situation. Mm. I mean, he's absolutely outnumbered here, mm. but he seeks God. God says, "Hey, you're not even you know just go in, but I'm going to fight for you." Mm. So, what does uh, Jehoshaphat do? And this is this is an expression of his faith. He goes and sends the musicians in, uh, for, not because they're bad. You know, the classic thing is, <laughs> "Let's get rid of the musicians." Can we? Can we? How, how are we going to get? 
rid of these musos. We'll use them as cannon fodder. <laughs> it wasn't because they were bad musicians, right? Okay. Uh, it was um, it was an expression of his faith. faith yeah. We're going to go in uh, with praise, mm. praising God for mm. what He's about to do. Mm. It's an amazing expression of faith on mm. Jehoshaphat's uh, Jehoshaphat's part. So I think. Um, you know, uh, does that feed in? And this is a complete parallel question yeah. here. Does that feed into why you know traditionally in church services before, in a sense, we, we sing? You know, is that is that part of the sense of we're going into the uh, sort of a, a sense of battle where we're battling for people's minds or the you know is is that kind of why music is sort of heads off? Well, it's uh, not. Maybe I, it's, not. It's, it's not necessarily why. I mean, it's this is a I guess the role of. Um, well, it's a, it's an interesting musicians. thing because in in within the temple mm. worship, you know, the, the music, the instruments were seen as, as an extension, in a sense, of mm-hmm. the human body, right? right? The human voice, the human, you know, clapping and singing yep. and so forth, um, and and it was it was a way of um, amplifying, Fine. in a sense, right. the praise of God's of God's people. So mm. it it very much it it was very much a symbol. Instruments were very much associated uh, with, you know, it just seems often as we go forward in the, in the old Testament, particularly the battle was often headed up by the temple musicians, you know, at, yeah. at the start. You know? Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. Um, and look, I mean, but it was also the same laments and, and yeah. were also actually accompanied with instrument. It was all about extending okay. the, the emotional range in a sense. Um, so um, I digress. No, that's fine. That's that. Well, uh, you can imagine. I'm, that's. A, I've always found that an interesting digression. Mm. Um, uh, look, you know, even then, Josh, right to the end, he still, he still um, lapses. You know, mm. despite even everything that's happened. I mean, it says at the end of Second um, Chronicles twenty. Later, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, made an alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel. Yep. Again, bad king whose ways were wicked. I uh, shouldn't have done this, and they construct this fleet of trading ships, um, mm. and and they actually get wrecked. You know, the ships all get wrecked. So it's a massive, uh, quite a, that's quite a big loss, mm. enormous loss of resources. So he fumbles along, Jehoshaphat. Yes. Like like, like this do. is why is why I love the story of Jehoshaphat because he fumbles along, yeah. right? But he's got a heart for God, mm. and when he cries out to God, despite him, you know, in the midst of situations that he shouldn't be in. Uh, God answers him. That's why I love this. Love this yeah. story. Yeah. So, um, uh, I think uh, we'll say uh, where are we going to well, today? Just one thing at the end of the, the the Moab rebellion thing that might have confused some of our leaders because it did it did me when. Um, uh, Misha, who I think was the king, or the turned to his god Chemosh and offered the crown prince his firstborn son as a burnt offering at the city wall at the end of this when they were being yeah. beaten, beaten by the Israelites. It, there's this verse that says, "Fury against Israel was yeah. great." Yeah, and, and you know um, it can't be fury fury from Chemosh because he was a fake god anyway. So it, what what does that mean? Uh, it can't be fury against from God against the yeah, nation no, of Israel. Um, I wonder whether, as I got thinking about it, you know, was it perhaps that it made, uh, for whatever reason, the Israelites or the Israel, the, 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 the alliance, um, for whatever reason, they just lost their appetite for battle and just withdrew and, and, and you know, it made them so angry to see this happen. I, I don't know, but it's a, yeah. it's a bit of a confusing little passage it is yeah I, maybe we don't need to get no, no, no. stuck in it but it, it is mm. um uh, but I, I think the, the the hebrew there is a little ambiguous actually um okay. uh 
so so it is. So we actually aren't sure what the fury. I mean, mm. is it the fury of the battle? Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah I don't think it's the fury of Chemosh. No. As, well, as, 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 now now having said that I I don't think necessarily the text always demands that there's nothing behind right. these gods. Uh, they're, they're certainly not gods. Satanic, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but um, yeah. but is there uh, you know because there are evil spirits and, and yes, so forth. But right. they 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 don't they don't really personify that the bible text doesn't credit these gods mm. with any level of personification so mm. they don't say baal came along and no. uh, you know they they don't even really acknowledge the exist the actual existence uh, of these of these gods um that's okay. Don't get yeah. bored. But uh, it was just an interesting one to me. I'm kind of going, well, the fury of who? You know, it was just yeah. difficult to figure that in my mind. But yeah, um, so so we're not actually. Yeah, it, it could just be the yeah the fury of the battle. Maybe. Yes. Um, you know, m- maybe the the sense of um, indignation yeah, about the, someone. Yeah, indignation this. about yeah. someone doing this. Of course, this is when you were really desperate. This is what you did, did. in the ancient world, is yeah. that because this is the greatest sacrifice, mm. uh, and mm. that you you know think of um, of Jephthah, mm. you know, uh, you know, bec- the, the, this is kind of the greatest thing that, that that I can offer. The significance, of course, of, and I'm going to get off track here, but yeah. the of of you know Genesis 22 and Abraham is like when Abraham yes. was asked of his son Isaac. That in, as an ancient Near Easterner, this is uh, uh, that wasn't a surprise necessarily to mm, him mm. because that's often happened where the God, where right. you might be required to offer your son. The point there is that God's saying you never have to do this. Mm. You know, it's it's like I, I appreciate that you were willing to, but this is this is an absolute. I never ever want you to have to do this because I've offered us. I've I've offered my that's son. It. I've you know anyway. Yeah. So that's good. Um, yeah. So. Um, the you know the the uh, these stories you know like for example the and I think we commented on this the oil you know the Being jug of yeah the I mean they're, they're incredibly uh, symbolic miracles mm. you know th- this this woman who you know as she feeds Elijah she responds there's this sense of faith you know she yes. responds to Elijah she has respect for um uh, for, for, for Elijah, Elijah sorry mm. and. And and so she has this constant uh, provision of yep. oil, and um, and then of course her son is um, is is raised to life. Um, so, you know, um, there. One of the interesting things about the oil one, and I think you mentioned this in the Thrive Reading Guide, was was yeah. the fact that the oil would only be multiplied until there were no more containers to contain yeah. it. Uh, and that, that sense of, you know, even though it's not explicitly stated there, that sense of, you know, perhaps God will only give us what we're willing to receive, you know, yeah. or what we're able to receive. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was a really good... Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. And the fact that, you know, she's um, she's from this Sidonian, uh, uh, the, this Phoenicia area yes. of Phoenicia. And yeah. uh, so, she, this, so here is this... You know, everyone's sort of starving from the fam- famine in Israel because they've mm. abandoned God. But here is this woman who is hospitable to this prophet. Yes, you know. So this is what it could be like in Israel. Yes. Is, is the point? You know, and and you know where, and this actually happens. So you get it's interesting the way that the text works here in Second Kings, sort of four, and and you get, um, you get that sort of miracle of. Of provision, okay, Uh, because this looks very much like Moses in the desert with the Israelites, and then you get the death in the pot where the, um, yeah, you know where he cures the the bitter, 
Yes. Uh, you know, the bitter meat there. Uh, again, a bit like Moses and the bitter water that yep. he, he cures the bitter water. And then the feeding of a hundred, you know, the multiplication yep. of the bread. Mm-hmm. Again, this is like Moses. Uh, of course, that reminds us of Jesus feeding, yep. the, you know, the thousands. But even in that, in, in the context of Christ, that's a sort of link to Moses uh, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Then you get this, the, the Naaman, this story yes. about Naaman. Yeah. And, and again, the point here is that, um, uh, this foreign general actually accesses this amazing healing mm. and in some in some ways demonstrates more faith and receives more blessing than anyone's receiving in Israel at the time yeah. so it's it's a sort of an indictment upon you know upon the israelites yeah that's right the rest um, of the nation and and in some ways I mean, this is this this story. It's such an important story, uh, the healing of, of and the fact that he's then got a dunk, you know, in the Jordan River. He's yes. like, you know, he thinks, what in the Jordan River? I've got rivers back home. Yeah, what is yeah. he, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, and the response, the the response of his aides around him. It's like if the prophet had asked you to do something huge and amazing, you, yeah. you probably would have done it. But it's the simple thing. Why won't you just? Go and do this simple yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I, it's, I, I mean, I love this. I mean, it, you know, even the fact that you know, you, you, you later on you get Jesus baptizing in yes, the Jordan River, exactly. and, and 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 this this uh, you know that in, in Paul the issue is well the the you know the Israel the Jew, Jewish people rejected the message, but now the Gentiles are receiving it with joy and. Mm. Um, and you know, and, and they're all being baptized, and and so it's just an interesting, mm. such an interesting connection. To, but I think also for Testament. us in our lives, sometimes we're looking for God to do huge, big things, and and often it's just through little things, little acts of obedience. That, yeah, you know, big things come later. Yeah, that's and it's right. Our job's just to do the little things. You know, yeah, that's that right. God asks of yeah, us, and, exactly, and not be looking for just the big, you know. Super, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, interesting to note in this story. Um, that this uh, Syrian, you know, this Syrian general, mm. how he even hears about it, it's because of a slave girl. He's taken That's slaves right. yeah. from Israel, and this slave girl uh, tells him this the good news of this prophet, mm. and he goes all the way into Israel yes. <laughs> to yeah. seek this prophet when everyone else is trying to get, basically, S- you know, spur- spurns these prophets. Yeah, yeah. No one's listening. This guy goes and seeks him out, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, um, I, again, you know, I think that the, the presence of that slave girl and mm. and I mean, it's, it, it reminds me of the amazing Ruth. story of the of the uh, conversion of the Scandinavian peoples that the Vikings okay. happened actually because they took Christian slaves, right? And it was the slaves that uh, that sowed the seed of the Christian faith amongst uh, the Vikings in Scandinavia, and they oh. were Christianized. And there you go. So, um, you know, it's. Just a little little cross reference to, to yeah, history. Yeah. Interesting uh, thing at uh, just the end of this story, Stu, mm, mm. is the story about Gehazi. Gehazi yeah. So uh, Elisha, of course, will not take any form of payment. It's absolute anathema to take any form yes. of payment because it wasn't him; it was God. Yeah, that's difference. right, and that's very important because uh, because um, the pagan uh, sort of um, diviners and and pagan prophets they all made a good coin. They made good coin from yeah. prophesying and and uh, their um, uh, ecstasy, ecstasy, mm. which is carving open animals and right. and telling the future and tell you know that's uh, they I, made. I won't even try and say that word, but that's a good word, man. Yeah, uh, they made good money from that. These yeah. guys will they they, they will not it. make any money. Yep. Gahazi thinks, man, we could get 
this guy's brought all these gifts, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and Elisha, it's amazing because the gifts are actually, he's already brought, already brought them with oh, him. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to accept them. No, yeah. no, I can't accept anything. Gehazi goes back. Oh, you know, Gehazi thinks this is okay. This is the this is the pits. You know, Gehazi's his servant. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, I'm going to chase after. I'm him. I'm going to chase after him. So, oh, the, you know, uh, Elisha's changed his mind. Man, Gehazi gets it mm. for that, doesn't mm. he? I mean, it's mm. you know the 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 punishment on uh, on Gehazi. Uh, he he becomes leprous. Well, he gets Naaman's you know disease basically. He basically gets Naaman's disease. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. oh gee, it's um. Yeah, so um, so you get you know again and again, and 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 we'll I think we'll wrap up fairly we'll, soon. We'll wrap up. Yeah, we we move into the Aramean War then, which you've spoken a little bit about before. And and for those who don't know, Aram in current day would be Syria, so southeastern yeah, yeah. Turkey and yeah. Lebanon, Iraq, sort of that area. Um, there's the big Aramean War, uh, where again you've spoken before about um, Jehoshaphat. Yeah. But again, Joram. you know, it's interesting to note here, Stuart. Elisha goes in mm. the king. King of Israel is no, no regard for God, but yeah. but he, you know, the prophet goes in and says God's going to do this for you. I mean, you just, um, you just uh, see God at work here, yeah. wanting to, you know, let His people know I love. You. I just want you to, you know, I I, I care about you. We just respond and and you yeah. know again and again they have these amazing uh, miracles happening and uh and then just not responding you know yeah. so by the time they're destroyed um you know you, you've got to the point where they have just rejected god so many times mm. um and the point of all of this is that they have no excuse mm. Because they have seen God do amazing things again and again and again. And again, this story connects so much with the story of Jesus. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we have Jesus doing all of these amazing, all of these amazing miracles um, and then holding them accountable. You, look, you've, you've seen, and you're just not responding. You've seen all of this stuff happening in your midst mm. and you're not responding. And so you get exactly the same kind of thing across the story of Jesus here with the story of Elijah and Elisha um, to the point where it, you know, they're just uh, they're just conquered by a foreign nation, mm. uh, which is exactly you know what Jesus said in, in his time that that you know he prophesied yeah. the fact that Romans were going to come in and, and destroy the city and so um, and it's really under get that same patterns Jehoram's reign as king of Judah where Judah starts to go the same way as Israel that's yeah where that's it all right. really begins uh, yeah the decline for the southern kingdom really and and then yeah. Ahaziah becomes king only for a year and he follows Ahab's lead again yeah, that's in, right. in the north. So it's it's you know, it's getting pretty Yeah, that's it's right. It's getting pretty dire both in the north and the south, although, you know, God's promise uh is still there in terms of the line of David. So Yeah, that's right. We'll yeah. perhaps come back to that. It's interesting actually, um, in, in the story, I mean after Jehoshaphat in, in the south you get this string of bad kings. You've mm. got uh Jehoshaphat's son, um uh, Jehoram, and you've got Ahaziah. Mm. Um, and then you've got this, you know, this, uh, Ataliah, who's the, uh, uh, this sort of the mother of, anyway, it's a bit complicated. She's not even in David. She's a bit of a, she doesn't even fit in the line. No, that's right. She's a daughter actually of Jezebel. So, uh, yeah, so she actually takes over. She kill she kills yeah. off the royal family yeah. without sort a right takes to over. do so in many ways. Yeah. yeah, but it's interesting it's to note here, right, that after her, you get kind of good kings. Yeah, they start out all yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah, you get all these kings like 
Joash, uh, Joash Amaziah, yeah. and Azariah, or Uzziah. Mm. Uh, they're three kings in a row who start out well, mm. but then lapse towards yeah. the end of their lives. Yeah. Now, that's interesting mm. because, in a sense, they, you know, their lives become symbolic of where the trajectory of Judah, Judah. is going yeah. as a whole, you know, yeah. overall. Yeah. So, um, so I think that's a really interesting, and then you know, and then you get uh, Hezekiah's great reform. But we'll look at that next time, Stu. I think. Look, um, I, I have so many of these stories for me. Uh, they they have sowed really, really important seeds in my life. I, I know, I know, it's hard reading through these stories. But again, um, try not to get too caught up in, you know, get yourself a chart, go on to, you know, Google Images, get yourself a chart of the kings of Israel and Judah where you get the lists, you know, that, that can help. Um, but focus on the stories, you know, mm. what, what's happening? What is God saying here? Mm. Don't get too lost in the details. And because we're, we're so inclined to think, hang on, who was this and why? And, and we're, so, yeah, we're well. so used to trying to think historically yep. or, or, or yep. Um, but the, actually, that's not the point here. What what the writer wants you to notice here is what is God doing and what is God saying by what he's doing? How is God responding in, in the midst of the these kings turning away? These are the questions that you need to ask yourself to get the most out of this story. And what you end up seeing is... Uh, is an amazing story of grace, the grace of God on display here. We're going to see some judgment here, but all through this, the dominant note of all of these stories is the grace of God. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive.